We're going to get back into our study with Joseph. You say, well, it's, it's Christmas season. Like, why would you want to do that in the middle of the Christmas season? Well, the truth of the, of the matter is, is that even though it's Christmas season, life still goes on, right? And we still have to do what we have to do. And, and besides the fact, I just love the study in uh, Genesis about Joseph. And uh, it's, in, it's incredible, uh, this, this man, Joseph, and what he went through. And, and so let's... Let's open our Bibles. Genesis, we'll start in Genesis 37. Genesis 37. And we will end up in Genesis 39. But Genesis 37 kind of sets the stage. Uh, Joseph, he was a dreamer. And because of his dreams, the dreams that God gave him, and maybe because of the way he shared them with his brothers and his family, uh, he ends up being sold by his very own brothers. Not a nice picture. Uh, family uh, issues, and, and many of us, many of you know what it means to have issues within your family. But he faces a lot of suffering in his life, but in the end, God uses it all to accomplish his purposes. And so really, uh, I think overarching the life of Joseph is, is that passage, Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for good to those that love God, to them who are called, the called according to his purpose. God can take something that seems so bad and turn it into something good. Only God could do that. You and I can't do that. We just give up and say, that's bad. I'm, I'm going to get out of it, get away from it, get, let someone else deal with it. So keep that in mind when you think about this guy, Joseph, you know, because he, he did face a lot of stuff. And, he, you, know, he, he, you know, he ends up being sold and, and just like, you know, a piece of, you know, merchandise. Today, we're going to look at uh, Joseph and, and this idea that character matters. And there's something about Joseph and his character that even when it costs him, he stands up for what's right. His character mattered. Even when it costs you and I to stand up for what's right in the world, in, in the family, in the church, to stand up to do what is right is important, especially as a believer. And Joseph will see, Joseph, this guy, he, he ran for his life. And where did he end up when he ran? In prison. Why? Because he wanted to do the right thing and he ends up in prison for it. You say, well, that's, you know, it's, it's going from bad to worse. He was sold and now, you know, we're going to read about how he ends up in prison. Before he was just like a slave, a servant, but now he's actually in prison. But again, God uses it and does an incredible work. Genesis 37, verse 39, or 36, the very last verse it says, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And now jump to Genesis 39. <clears throat> and it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, he bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. He was sold to the Midianites, sold then to Potiphar. He's just like, you know, whoever, you know, got to make a little money, be, be a middleman selling people. 
And sad to say that even in our day and age, there is what we call human trafficking, people being sold for money. And this is what happened to Joseph, right? And, and so he, he gets taken down to Egypt and, and gets sold to the captain of the guard, like, just like, sort of like the chief of the police down there. But, but God even uses that. Joseph gets there, though, and he has, to learn, he has to learn everything. He has to learn the language. He has to learn the, the customs. He has to learn everything there. And, and, and remember this, that Joseph has been, he's been taken away forcefully from his family. From his dad, who, you know, treated him as the favored son. But even though the situation was bad, one of the things we see about Joseph is that he didn't just lay down and die and give up. He carried on and did the very best he could in the circumstances that he found himself in. That's a lesson for us, isn't it? Sometimes we end up in places we just don't want to be. And so what do we do? We just complain and moan and, and make it even worse than it already is. But, but Joseph didn't do that. He, he did the very best he could. And we'll see that God does something about that. Look at verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Even in this horrible, horrible situation, it says the Lord was with Joseph. And not only was he with him, but he prospered. Now this, this phrase that the Lord was with Joseph used four times in this chapter. And, and we see in that that even though it was a very bad situation, that God didn't abandon him there. In fact, God was going to use it, as we've said in Romans 8.28, for good. How many times do we end up in situations and we say, you know, God has abandoned me. God is not with me. God could never use this for good. And yet we see in the scripture here, and this is where we need to learn from. This is what we need to, to, to use to guide the way we think about things, that God was with Joseph even in that horrible situation. God was with him. And he prospered him. God didn't abandon him. And, and God doesn't abandon us no matter what situation we end up in, whether it's our fault even. Or in Joseph's case, it was not his fault. It was someone else's fault. But God didn't abandon him. And no matter where we are, we can prosper as well with the Lord's blessing. Look at verse 3. It says, that, it says there that when his master... Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he trusted to his care everything that he owned. Potiphar saw it, even though Joseph was in a place that nobody would want to be, and, but, but he, was, he was just doing the best he could, and the Lord was with him, and the Lord was blessing him, and Potiphar saw it. People around can see, too, when, when you and I are, are just, you know, we're trusting in the Lord, and we're, even though the situation is bad, we're trusting in God that he's going to take care of us, that he's going to do what what he wants to do. People see that and it affects them. Those are the people that are going to come to you when they get in trouble and they say, you know, uh, what should I do? And they're going to say, what is it that is different about you than everybody else? 
because you have this faith. You have this, there's something about you. So Potiphar puts him in charge of everything that he owned, but not everything, as we'll see. And it, it ends up being that, that Joseph was, was with Potiphar like 11 years. This isn't, you know, a short-term proposition. This is a long-term situation, 11 years that he was with Potiphar there. Not only that, but in verse 5, it says that from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the, in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. The, the Lord blessed Joseph, and now the Lord is blessing those around Joseph because of his faith, because of his walk, because of his witness. But we, we notice a couple of things here. Number one is, is we see that Potiphar trusts Joseph. So there's something about his character. There's something about him that he trusted him with everything. He, he didn't have to worry about anything, it says. He just trusted him. Are we trustworthy people that people can say, I trust I trust that person. But it's interesting when you, when you think back again, Joseph obviously was one uh, of the nation of Israel. And, and way, way back in Genesis chapter 12, it says this uh, about uh, to Abraham. God made this promise. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's, it's kind of a, we see a little bit of that right here in, in the household of Potiphar. The Lord is blessing uh, the house of Potiphar because of Joseph, just like he says, you will be a blessing. Joseph ended up being a blessing in that place that he didn't necessarily want to be. God can use you and me in places we don't want to be. But, but there's something also very special about the nation of Israel. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. And, and these promises that God made. Of course, at the very end, it says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Not just Potiphar. Not just that household of Potiphar and some of the things we're going to see later in this chapter, but how does that fit into our day and age today? It says all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What, what is he talking about there? Anybody know? Should be pretty obvious. It's sitting up right on the wall there. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We're, we're celebrating Christmas season now. That, that Jesus came through the nation of Israel. Jesus was an, an Israelite. He was Jewish. All nations on earth will be blessed through you. When I stop and think about it, and you do a little research uh, about it, God has blessed the world through the Jewish people in many, many, many ways. 
We don't think about this. We don't study it. But in science, in music, in art, in education, in medicine, in politics, in so many, many ways, God has used the Jewish people to bless the world. Think of some of the inventions that were made by Jewish people. The safety razor. I don't know what that is. I don't use those. (laughs) How about the printed circuit board? That's revolutionized our society. You have it in your cell phone sitting in your pocket there. The cell phone itself. The defibrillator. I just say that carefully. How about the Barbie doll? Oh, yeah. Teddy bear? Say, how do you know all this? Because I read it on Google, and Google knows everything. In fact, Google was founded by Jewish people. What about the ballpoint pen? What about Albert Einstein? Uh, for, For you sports fans, what about Sandy Koufax? In the medical field, Jonas Salk invented the polio vaccine. How about a little closer to home, Levi Strauss? Ann Landers, Estee Lauder, Lauren Bacall, the Marx Brothers. Yeah, there you go. Bob Dylan? Most people don't know that Bob Dylan is Jewish. Barbara Streisand, Jerry Seinfeld, and the list goes on. And on and on, and we, we don't realize it, and we have people in our society today, they, they, this whole anti-Semitic thing happening, and, and people, young people in colleges, they don't have any idea what they're saying, and yet they're going along with this, and they, and they don't even understand. It's a very sad situation. But we better be careful. I, as a country, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that as a nation, if we give up supporting the nation of Israel, we better watch out. Because God has blessed our country, and one of the reasons he's blessed our country is because we have blessed the nation of Israel. I saw this video. I don't know if I should mention it, but I saw a video. There was a a fellow. He was uh, up on a platform. And this doesn't always happen, obviously, but he was on a platform, and he was denouncing Israel and cursing Israel, basically. And he finished what he was saying. He had a heart attack. How many of you have seen this? He had a heart attack. They carried him away, and he ended up dying. That's, it doesn't always happen like that. But, but I'm saying it's a picture of the fact that, you know, if you curse Israel, watch out. Watch out, because God, they're God's people. And you and I better pay attention to that. So let's move on because it gets even more interesting in this battle that takes place. There's this battle, there's a a temptation, there's an attack that begins here now in Genesis 39 and and the the second part of verse 6. We've been talking about Joseph's character, but look what it says here. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Joseph, he was good looking as well as he had character. And, and sometimes, I, I, I wrote this down, sometimes good looks can actually get us in trouble, right? Good looks can be a curse. 
You know, I've been dealing with that my whole life. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just something you got to you got to figure out how to deal with it. So I do the best I can. But the <laughs> the fact is that that Potiphar's wife takes notice, and and the the Hebrew word literally means it's translated in the New King James Version. She cast longing eyes on Joseph. She says, come to bed with me. Now, in that society, and maybe even in her role, it might have been accepted. We don't know for sure. But you think about today's society and, and like, you know, what, what has been going on for the last 30 or 40 years in our society, and now it's, you know, the, the morals have been, you know, destroyed. And there isn't much that doesn't matter, you know, that, that matters, Really. Everybody's doing it. We're talking about, you know, the sexual morals and and the fact that you go back to the beginning of Genesis. We talked about it there. You know, God created uh, Adam and Eve and God established marriage between one woman and one man. And that's what God's plan and purpose is for society. But here we see it. Everybody, you know, the phrase, everybody's doing it, so, you know, it can't be bad. Everybody, you know, is involved in pornography, so it can't be bad. Everybody is, you know, involved in these different things that are going on, so it can't be bad. But the truth is, though it may be hidden, it always comes out, and God will know. Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7 deal with this, and it, and it really it hits home in so many different ways. But we see, uh, let me just read to you some verses from chapter 7 of Proverbs. Uh, it said, so I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. You know, these kinds of traps, these kinds of attacks, they come looking for you. You don't necessarily have to go looking for them. They'll come looking for you. Later in that chapter, it says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She, she seduced him with her smooth talk, and all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow per- pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. These things, you know, the world says today, well, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's, you know, it can be a good thing. But, but the writer here in, in Proverbs chapter 7 says, it's going to cost you your life. He says, don't let your heart turn to her ways and stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. And her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chamber's of death. This kinds of thing this kind of thing is is so prevalent in our society today. The attacks are massive. What did Joseph do? You see, a lot of things don't change. You know, sin is sin, but uh, but even back then in, in in that day, what did Joseph do? Let's look at verse 8. It says, "But he refused." 
But he refused, he says. He says, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. And my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He's taking a stand, isn't he? He's taking a stand. He, it says he refused. And, and then he, he actually gives the reasons why he refused. And, 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 you know, for us, because the word of God says it, because this is what God's standards are. But Joseph said the first thing he says is the reason why. He says, because you are his wife. You're not available, in other words. You belong to him. You are his wife. The husband and wife belong to each other. He's talking here about the sacredness of marriage, the sanctity of marriage. Boy, we've messed around with that, haven't we? We've uh, said, well, we think it should be like this, or we think it should be like that. But Hebrews chapter 13 says that marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. God, God's going to do something about it. He said, we, we need to have that same attitude that Joseph had. The second thing he says, how could I, how could I do such a wicked thing? In other words, it's wrong. It's just wrong. There is right and wrong. It's not this, you know, a subjective thing. Well, if, if, if it's okay for you, then it must be okay. There are standards of what, what is right and wrong, and, and God spells them out very clearly in his word, especially about this whole idea of, of the sexual relationship. I'm not saying this. This is what God's word is saying. He said, Joseph said, I can't do this. How could I do such a wicked thing? It's wrong. And then the third thing he says this is that he says that it is a sin against God. He calls it sin. That's a word that, you know, we, we, we've tried to take out of the vocabulary. There's no such thing as sin. There are some churches that refuse to, to use the word sin. But the fact of the matter is it's sin is sin and we need to call a spade a spade, right? The world has a term for adultery and it's not sin, it's a fling. It's just a fling, that's all it is. He says it's a sin against God. Well, first and foremost, sin is against God. Why? Because God is the one who spelled out the standard. So... Ultimately, it's first and foremost against God. But does it affect everybody else around? Absolutely. It affects ourselves. It affects the people involved. It, if, if it has affected our society in crazy and radical ways. You know, David, uh, King David, he, he blew it real bad. But he finally got to the place he was confronted. He had to be confronted before he confessed before he repented, but when he did, it says in Psalm 51, which is the Psalm of David's repentance, David said, against you, he's talking to God, and you only have I sinned and, and have done what is evil in your sight. 
Same thing that Joseph's saying, I'm not going to do it because it's evil, it's wicked. David, he fell. But he did repent. And he did acknowledge that what he had done was wrong. Now, I'm not saying that you and I are going to be perfect in everything. We, we've studied uh, 1 John, you know, not that long ago. And, and, you know, John said, you know, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have someone who stands, who, you know, stands up for us before the Father, who, because he gave his life and, and died on the cross for our sin, he will stand there for us and, and through uh, confession, he says, if we, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us, to, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I've said it, and I, I know it personally to be true, is that it's always better not to sin than to sin and be forgiven. You will always be forgiven. We will always be forgiven. There's nothing that God will not forgive us of except that rejecting him but it's always better not to. And Joseph found that out. Although it was difficult for him. Look at verse 10. It goes on. Did you ever think all this stuff was in the Bible? No, I thought that was just on TV. No, this stuff is real. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Or even to be with her. She was very persistent. Sin is persistent. Temptation, battles, these things are persistent. They don't just go away. Literally, it says that he didn't listen to her. He refused. He, didn't, he refused to even listen to her. But notice this. It also says he, he not only refused to go to bed with her, but he refused to even be with her. He wouldn't even spend time with her. He wanted to get away from her as much as he could. There is something about that. that You and I, sometimes we need to take steps. Joseph's being attacked, so he didn't just hang out there with her and see what, you know, see how it went. But he said, you know what, I'm going to take steps to get away from that. You know, if we put ourselves in, in a position where we are going to be attacked, we're going to be attacked more. You know, if I am an alcoholic and I go and spend time hanging out at the bar, it's probably not the best place for me to be. Again, Proverbs chapter 5, he says, keep to, a, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Don't even go near it. Lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. He says, at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. You'll groan. He says, don't even go near. It, you know what? You and I need to be very careful. I know there are certain things I need to stay away from because they're not good. They're not good for me. Some of the entertainment that is available to us today, you know, we need to, to say, you know what? That is not good. And it's not good for me. We've got these cell phones in our pockets. I don't have mine in my pocket right now, but we need to be careful. Where is that going to go? There are certain things that we need to stay away from. 
There are some people, and I'll say this, that should not even have a cell phone for that very reason because of the, the ability to stumble them and take them in places they don't, should not go. Paul said in Romans chapter 13, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Don't even give it an opportunity. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you do. Be careful who you hang around with. Oh, I can handle it. Joseph said, you know what? The best thing for me is I, don't, I shouldn't even be around this person. It's a dangerous place to be. I don't want to be at the end of my life, like I just read, at the end of my life where I just groan because of the stuff that I got involved in and how my, you know, my marriage was destroyed and my, my relationships were all you know, in shatters because I just did what the flesh, the attacks of the flesh, and just went with it because it seemed to be okay in our society, in our day. Verse 11 One day, Joseph, he went into the house to attend to his duties. Sometimes he had to go and do what he had to do. And none of the household servants was inside. And she caught him by his cloak. And she said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. He ran. Joseph ran. She saw her opportunity. She set the trap. And what does Joseph do? He ran. He, first, he refused. He said no and, I, and, and did his best to stay away from her. She had this trap set for him. And he ran. I want to make a point of that because it, it, sometimes that's what you and I need to do. We need to get out and run. It's not a bad thing. He left his cloak behind. Doesn't it kind of remind us a little bit about the cloak that he had back at his dad's house. His dad got him this, you know, multicolored coat. And now he has another one. It's not the same one because the same one was back with, with dad. And his dad probably was holding on to it as a keepsake. But he, he had this other cloak now and, and he just left it behind. Matthew Henry said it's better to lose a good coat than a good conscience. Sometimes we got to, you know, hey, well, I might lose this or I might lose that or something bad might happen. But he said, you know what? I'm leaving. Paul told Timothy, it's on the screen, to flee also youthful lusts. Sometimes it's better to just run, to get out. McDonald said this. He said, it's better to flee than to fail. Pastor Chuck talked about it in his commentary. He said this. He said that he said that fleeing to me was a sign of great courage and bravery, not cowardice. You say, well, running, that's because he couldn't handle it because he was being a coward. No, it was courage and bravery. He says, he says it was a lot harder to run than it would have been to stay. It's a lot harder to run from temptation than to yield to temptations. It, it takes a lot more courage to run from temptation than to fall into temptation. He said, again, like my mom used to tell me, son, any dead fish can float down the stream. 
It takes a live fish to swim upstream. Joseph, he took this stand. He ran. He got out of, out of there. Why? Because he had principles. Because for purity's sake, he said, I got to get out of here. I got to do what I got to do. Because character matters. Of course, it doesn't stop there. Most of you already have read this story before. You know the, you know the situation, verse 13. And when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants, Look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. Total lies, of course. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to, make, to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. And when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. She gets mad because she was disappointed. She was rejected in, in that. And, and you know, the, the saying says, hell hath no fury, what? Like a woman scorned, and she was scorned. So she sets him up with lies. She makes a bunch of lies up. First to the servants, then to her husband, and, and her husband buys the story, and then he gets angry. Proverbs 6 says, jealousy arouses a husband's fury. He will, take, he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. So we see this happening now in the house. And again, all these relationships being messed up. In verse 20, Joseph's master took him. And put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Wow, it's going from bad to worse, right? Joseph was sold by his brothers, by his family. He ends up, you know, working in the house of Potiphar for many, many years. And now this... And Joseph was trying to do the right thing, and he ends up in prison because he wanted to do the right thing. It may not always get better when we do the right thing, but we're going to have a better conscience. In this particular case, we're going to see in the next chapters that God even uses that to turn it into something much, much better. Peter the Apostle, he talks in his first epistle about being persecuted for doing good. He says, don't, don't, you know, don't let it be said about you that you, you're persecuted because you did bad, but because you're doing the right thing, you might be persecuted. Because you say no, and, and Peter talks about it, you say, no, I don't want to you know, go to the party and get all drunk with everybody else. It's not, it's not a good thing. It's not right. I don't I want to be that kind of person. And they may laugh at you. What are you, some kind of holy Joe, some holy roller? What, what, what's wrong with you? This is perfectly okay. It's all legal. It's all good. But even there in prison, verse 20, the second half, 
God was with him. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness. And he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Same kind of thing happened now. He, he just in a different place. In a worse place. He's in prison now, but the Lord is with him, even in this worse place. And God gave him success in whatever he did to do the right thing. I remember I worked, I was, I was without a job. And... Somebody told me about a job at this factory. And I said, you know what? I don't want to go there. Because it was a job in the shipping department. And all you did was pack boxes eight hours a day. It was just like mindless. If you, if you have that job, it's okay. <laughs> I actually took the job because somebody said to me, the person who told me about Jesus said to me, you know what? Get off your rear end and get down there because you need a job. You're married now. Yeah, I was married at the time. So I went down there and I, and I, and I didn't want the job, but they hired me anyways. So I'm there in this factory and thinking, you know, and I tell you what, it was hard. It was hard for me. Packing, it's just like doing the same thing over and over and over again for eight hours a day. And uh, I'm just going like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I tried to get a job at the phone company because that was like the, the place you, you, you all wanted to work, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't happening. But six months, you know, I just, I, I, in the end, I just had to do what I was supposed to do. I had responsibility, and I just worked and just did what I was supposed to do. And somehow, I don't even remember how this happened. It's so long ago. Somebody from a different department, the company's called Kyocera. You've heard of it. Somebody from the, from the research and development department said, hey, uh, why don't you come over here and work with us over here? I said, yeah, of course. Of course, kept me out of the shipping department. And I went over there. So, so the moral of the story, it, it's not a great story, but the moral of the story is that sometimes we, we have to be where we are before God can get us to where he wants us to be. And I had to just be faithful there. God took me over there. I'll tell you more about that later on in, 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 jo in Joseph's life. But he was trusted, Joseph. And God blessed him there. One more statement from Pastor Chuck, and, and this really hits home. He says, the Lord being with Joseph didn't spare him from hatred, 
from being sold by his brothers, from temptation, from false accusation, and from even imprisonment. Being a Christian is not any kind of a divine immunity from problems. Sometimes we think that, you know what, but, but life is full of problems. Life is full of challenges. And what are we going to do? Joseph, he just, he just did the best he could in the circumstances that he found himself in. And we know, because we've read the story, much like reading the, the book of Job, we know the whole story. Job, in the middle of it, didn't really understand what was going on. But we know here in the story of Joseph, it doesn't end there. There's more to come. But what we can learn is that with Joseph, character matters. And Joseph was faced with this temptation and two things he refused and he ran. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, we'll close with this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and... God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He says he'll he'll provide a way out. Joseph found the way out. He, He ran. Now, again, he ended up in prison because of it, but God is even going to use that. You and I, we face battles, and you and I, we need to learn that we need to fight. Just don't just go along with what everyone else is doing. We need to fight and say, no, this is what God's Word says. This is what I am called to do and to be and do what is right. But sometimes we need to look for that way out, and we need to run. And as Pastor Chuck said, it's courage. It's not cowardice. And God is faithful to provide that way out. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today and, and even this man Joseph and, and his decision to do the right thing, even when it cost him. He didn't want to be there. But yet, yet you were there with him even in those horrible situations that he found himself in, you were there with him and you blessed him, you prospered him, you you had your hand of favor upon him. This grace was upon this man, Joseph. Father, help us when we find ourselves in these these awkward situations, these difficult times that, that that we could... Just be patient and and to trust you even when we don't understand it and and to know that all things work together for good. And you'll provide a way. And you'll make a way. Lord, I pray you'd help us in the battles we face in the flesh and and that we would make no provision for the flesh and that, that we would, if necessary, say no and run if necessary. Father, help us as as John talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Father, we just want to be what you want us to be and, and to 
serve you the very best that we can. Forgive us when we stumble, when we fall. Not a one of us is perfect. Not a one of us has, can say that we're sinless. And yet we know that your blood covers over a multitude of sins and you forgive. And you cast those sins into the very depths of the sea. As far as the east is from the west. Help us, Lord, in this life. Help us be more like Joseph. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. We celebrate this season. We thank you for Jesus who came and, and, and willingly came to this earth and took a human body and lived perfectly sinless life, the only one that, that had, has ever done that and then died on the cross to pay our price, to pay my price for my sin, for our sin who was buried and was resurrected from the dead three days later thank you for Jesus Lord, may we continue to remember Jesus even in the midst of all the, the craziness, the meals and the presents and everything else that's going on, that we would remember Jesus. Maybe if we haven't received Jesus, it's a good time to do it, to say, Jesus, I, I need you in my life. I ask you into my life today. I believe in you. I trust in you. Let's all stand together, please, and sing.